Hey, well, good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to another edition of Winning at Work, career-boosting conversations with HR's leading voices. This week, I've got a special friend of mine, Patrick Chandler, who is a finance coach and wealth manager for one of a, a pretty big company you may have heard about. And today, we're going to talk about your money at work. I think it's important, no matter what job you have, no matter where you are in your professional arena, to think about what your money does after it hits your bank account and maybe even before it gets into your bank account. So Patrick, thanks for coming to the show, man. Man, thank you so much, Joey. Appreciate it. Uh, I'm really, really happy to be here talking with you, um, talking to the people. Um, there's no better time than now to talk about our money, um, to talk about what we're doing with our money, not just making it, right, but what happens with our money after. Um, that paycheck hits our direct deposit or, you know, whatever situation you may find yourself in. So I'm super excited. I have a seven-month-year-old daughter upstairs. So this has been a good reprieve to be able to get away from changing <laughs> diapers and, uh, and come in and talk. So, man, thank you so much for having me on the show. Yeah, of course. You know, adult conversation. It's very necessary when you've got a child, a young one, and you're watching baby shows and reading books about good night moon and all that you, oh, you kind of want to get back into the grown folk <laughs> it's 100 100 so you're you're seven months old what's your favorite book so what are y'all reading she loves together? good night moon um there's another right. book called abc's for the little g's she loves that one and then we have a kids like bible she's not a fan of that one yet but we're gonna we're gonna give it time i'm gonna keep reading oh, it yeah. to her so uh those are some of her favorites she oh. loves dave and ava on youtube so i've been watching dave and ava shout out to whoever created that thank you, you saved my life these last seven months so uh those are her go-to's Oh my goodness, man! There's so I think all we watch is YouTube. If it's not uh, if it's not Blippy, it's something else. Coco Melon or Little Baby Bomb. None of these shows sponsor uh, this episode, by the way. <laughs> right, right. They, they run my life. That like that's all I could talk about is the latest episode of where Blippy is or or what have you. Um, right. I know there's some parents watching, so we're just having a laugh. But Patrick, one of the things that I like to do with guests on the show is we do two truths and a lie. And uh, I know you're a money guy, so you've probably calculated the lie that will have the highest probability of trapping us and tricking us. <laughs> but go, I'm going to give you the floor to give your two truths and a lie. And if you're tuning into this live, go ahead and drop your, your thought in the chat. Uh, we can see it and we can respond. So go ahead. Go ahead. What's your All right. What your all right. So about? I wrote these down so that I'd be prepared. So see, um, see the money guy is always prepared. <laughs> prepared. I read the statistics. <laughs> okay. So first one is I have four siblings. Okay. Um, second one is I've been married for two years. Okay. And then the third one is my parents are from Jamaica. All right. What do you all think? If you're tuning in live, does he have four siblings? Has he been married for two years? You don't have much gray in your hair. So you're you're new. You're still newly married. Still <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I may, you know, I may darken it. You never know. I may be covering <laughs> over. That's a that's a good point, too. And then, you know, parents from Jamaica. Let me ask you this. What What's the best uh, way to have curry? What's the best way? Curry chicken is by far the best way to have curry. People say curry shrimp, curry goat. Those are those are second best if at all, right? Curry chicken um, with roti is the best food known to mankind. So I would say curry chicken. If you're not a curry fan, 
Jerk chicken is phenomenal. Patties, fish cakes. I can just go on and on about, about Caribbean food. So curry chicken. All right. I know the answer. So <laughs> you got the answer already. I'm just going to blurt it out. You're, you're, you're not from Jamaica, bro. <laughs> no, no, we're not. But, but uh, somewhere close. Somewhere we're close. close. I, try to, yeah. I try to throw it in, you know, the cluster of Caribbean islands. But no, my parents are from Barbados. Uh, very close to Jamaica, but not Jamaica. So uh, that is a lie. I do have four siblings. I have been married for two years. So yeah, you got me. <laughs> All right, I, I got something for you too. This is uh, an exclusive. Okay. There we go. <laughs> there we go. I love it. I love it. I feel like I'm on a breakfast. All right. Car- car- carnival or, or something <laughs> like that. That's a throwback. Uh, yes, sir. That, it's all canceled now because of COVID. So. I know. I know. I know. So unfortunate, man. I know a lot of people have fun there. And I'm sure it's good for the economy. And, um, yeah. you know, hopefully we bounce back on the on the other side of this. Speaking of COVID, what have been some of the, the thoughts and questions that people have had about their money in the midst of this this pandemic season? Man, that's that's a great question. Everything has been turned on its head. Um, and I think, you know, when COVID first broke, one, we didn't know how long we would be in this season, and then also the effects that it would have on the economy. So really for the everyday person, their question is, do I have enough money to be able to sustain me and my family through this season? Mm. Um, you know, we all know someone who's been furloughed or let go from their job. Yep. Or, you know, decreased pay or maybe, you know, maybe you're in the same you know, financial situation, but there's just a cloud of uncertainty around your job, around what you do. Or you can be completely set. You can be in a position where your job's not in jeopardy. Everybody's had that thought of, will I have enough money to pay for my fixed expenses, for example, right? My house. Um, can I pay for car insurance? Can I pay for, you know, gas and, you know, to send my kids to school? So really the initial reaction was, do I have enough money to be able to live? Um, And then going a layer deeper from there, um, everybody was worried about their investments. So if you have a 401k at your job, 403b, brokerage accounts, um, people were in a position where they saw um, the market turned down, you know, 20 to 30%. You know, we had to halt trading, you know, multiple days in a row because of how fast we saw the economy plummeting. So mind a lot blowing, of people, right? mind blowing. It's some <laughs> what did the kids say? Scary times. It was Scary definitely um, yeah. it was definitely uncertainty through that. So you have individuals who are close to retirement, right? They're getting ready to you know hit 60, 65, um, and they had to watch their retirement accounts, unfortunately, you know, maybe take a 10, 15, 20% hit in the span of a couple of days. So between everyday expenses and investment accounts, um, that's really where you know majority of the calls that I received, a lot of people that I spoke with. Um, we're focused on, can we keep the lights on? And then mm-hmm. can I also retire with dignity um, through that? So those are two things that I heard a lot as we entered into the COVID season. So, so what have you been saying? What, how, how have those conversations gone? What are some of the pieces of advice you've been sharing to help people kind of settle their nerves and, and be optimistic about uh, the position that they're in? Right. So what I try to do, you know, I'll, I'll talk to two different people, right? I'll have a conversation with the people that I could have a conversation with before COVID happened, and then those who we haven't spoken until COVID started. So ideally, um, you want to be prepared for disasters. And what does that look like? What does that mean? Um, I tell individuals they need to have three to six months of cash on hand to be able to cover their expenses. 
three months if you're not married and you know you don't have any kids or any other responsibilities six months to a year ideally if you are married you have kids and you have other people who are responsible for you and what that does is when a COVID happens or um, the housing market crash or the internet bubble and the dot-com bubble burst or enron right you, you can plug in whatever you want into that scenario um, you're in a position where you know if everything goes to hell I will be okay. Me and my family will be okay for this specific amount of time. Now that's not meant to be extra investment money. That's not meant to be, oh, okay, I can go buy this or go do this. This is money that under no circumstance you touch unless an emergency befalls you and your family. So if I got to you before, I would say make sure that you have that nest egg, have that cash reserve for you. And then if I got to you before as well, on the investment side, I would have a conversation with one, you need to be working with an advisor. You need to be working with a trusted professional who's helping you to mitigate the risk in your investment portfolio, right? If you're getting ready to enter retirement, your portfolio most likely shouldn't have been in a position where you were taking on a lot of risk because you wanted to make sure that you're conserving, right? You're conserving what you've built. If you're a little bit younger, we still can look to, you know, change around your asset allocation a little bit so that you're still finding value in the market. Um, But you want to be in a position where, and I say this to my clients all the time, we want to be up beyond where the market is, and we want to be down less than where the market is down, right? So get a trusted professional in your corner to help you navigate and help you kind of anticipate, right? None of us have a crystal ball, um, but start to anticipate, you know, some of the things that you're seeing. Um, If we just had a conversation now, I spoke to you and I found you on the street and you said, Patrick, what's going on? It's a disaster. I'm struggling or whatever it may be. Um, My conversation with you would be one, and it's not financial, it's more of a mentality is to calm down and relax. Mm-hmm. I find that individuals make um, some of the worst financial decisions of their life when they're frantic, when they're nervous. So my first thing would to be to tell you to calm down, um, take a holistic view of your finances and see where you are. What category do you fit in? Are you without a job? If you're without a job, then we need to make sure that we try to find you a new job, um, try to get you in a position where you can start bringing in some income to be able to sustain your monthly expenses. If you have a job, but you're just nervous, well, then let's build up that emergency fund. Let's make sure that your investments are allocated properly. Um, and if you're someone who's thriving and doing very well for yourself, um, this is not a time to get complacent, right? If you have cash on the side, um, now is a better time than any to deploy it and to be able to take some advantages of the market. So it's kind of wherever you find yourself in that spectrum, um, the strategic things that I would recommend for you. Um, I don't want to monopolize the whole time, but that, that's what I would do for those I got to before and then those who we speak to now in the midst of the crisis. Yeah, no, that, that's great advice. And I love that you have tailored information for wherever someone may fall on the spectrum or whatever circumstance they may be in pre or I can't say post, but pre or in the midst of, of COVID. And the reason why I wanted to have you on the program is because so many times we're, we're going to talk about the election. But um, so many times we think of getting into a job or getting into a career and we think that the only way that we or the primary way that we make money um, and make a life for ourselves is through our income. But we started the conversation by saying, you know, what is your money doing after it hits your direct deposit? I was always fascinated by this story of a janitor who, you know, donated like $6 million to a local museum. Yeah, I heard of that, yeah. He was a savvy investor, right? And he built that wealth as a janitor. And we all know the ability to have a high income typically is not, um, you don't think of a janitor. You may think of somebody in IT, you may think of someone in medicine or legal or what have you. 
and, and really winning at work. I, I feel like if you if you deploy your money, like you said, and you, you build up wealth, you can feel freer and more excited about what it is that you do for work, no matter how much you're paid, because you know how to deploy your money once you get it. One hundred percent. What are your what are your thoughts on that? Can, can people live a successful life no matter if they're in an entry level job or top five hundred level CEO? What are, what are your thoughts? So you hit the nail on the head one hundred percent. Statistics show that the majority of millionaires in the United States of America never made over a hundred thousand dollars in a single year. Right? And I think Wait, we have say that again. Say that again because. I didn't know that. Say that one more yes. time. So the majority of millionaires in the United States of America have never made over $100,000 per year. Now, nice. some of you, you just, you know, you wipe the sweat off your face. You said, thank you, because I don't make under 100000 <laughs> but there's still hope for me. Um, yeah. And I think what that shows is your income is not the most important reason why you'll be successful with money and be able to build wealth. What you should be focusing on, 100% what Joey said is, what do I do with my money when it comes into my account, right? So I'll start by telling you what not to do, right? So you definitely should be on a budget. And if you're not on a budget, get on a budget. Because what happens is when your money comes into your, uh, your account, and you don't have a plan, right? Because that's just what a budget is. It gives you a plan for your money. If you don't have a plan for your money, you're going to find that you spent $40 here at Target. Uh, you went to 7-Eleven, you spent $17. And then you look up one day, and over the span of an entire year, you spent thousands of dollars with no rhyme or reason or any purpose, right? So that's a step number one, have a plan for your money. Number two, we need to make sure that we are maximizing our employee retirement accounts. So I, I talk to some people who say, you know, you know, I don't really trust the uh, employee retirement account, I have my cash at home, right? Bearing it out back or, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not utilizing that. We 100% have to utilize our employer retirement accounts um, because for many reasons, but for one, those are pre-tax dollars, meaning before Uncle Sam comes in and takes his you know, Medicare, Medicaid, state, federal taxes, you're able to hide away a little bit of money in that retirement account. And really the power of that is what we're looking at is compound interest, yep. right? You hear it all the time. People's like, oh, what's compound interest? So essentially what you want to do is consistently month after month, year after year, I'm talking 10, 15, 20, 25 years, commit to a specific amount of money that you're going to put into your retirement account. And this is not money dependent, right? Like you can make 50,000, you can make 60,000, you can make 70, wherever you are in the spectrum of income, you can commit to something, right? It doesn't have to be an astronomical amount of money that you want to contribute. The more the merrier, the more money you'll have at the end. Um, but just by starting with a small amount, you can look up in 25 to 30 years and be a multimillionaire. Um, but the key to it is why many people don't do it is the consistency and the discipline that's required to do it, right? So the, the difficult part is, can I contribute 50, 100, $200 every single paycheck between now and the time that I retire? And uh, most people cannot, right? They, they get a little distracted or, you know, maybe I want to spend it on this vacation or maybe I want to buy this so maybe I want to do that. It doesn't always have to be things they want for themselves. Maybe I want to give it to my kids and send them to private school, whatever that process may be for you. Um, but when you do that, you are robbing yourself of a dignified retirement as well. And Joey, yeah. you're young, I'm young, uh, but even now we have to think about retirement. 
right? It just can't be a thing that once we hit 40, then we start getting focused about. The sooner you start, the more um, capital will be there when you're ready to retire. Um, and then the last thing that I'll mention, um, and I know it's a, a touchy subject, and we can dive a little bit more if, if people want to hear about it, but my wealthiest clients who I deal with, they are able to keep their liabilities low. Mm. Extremely, extremely low. If you look at net worth, you're looking at assets minus liabilities, right? We always want to push to increase our assets, right? Potentially, we can make more income or have a side hustle or bring in more money or just kill it at work or being continually promoted. But the part that we don't focus on is the liability section of it, right? I'm not going to get into the student loan crisis that we have going on currently, but debt is one of the most hampering things that I see for people who are trying to build a legacy and build wealth. They have great incomes, they have great work ethic, they're contributing to the retirement, but they have this, this boulder, right? I see it as an anchor, right? You're trying to take your ship and you're trying to you know, sail. Me and, <laughs> me and Joy were actually just talking about boating before, uh, before we got on this call, it's a good analogy. Yep. Um, and they're wondering why they can't set sail at a faster pace. It's because this debt is weighing down the boat. And I don't know if you're out there, you may be watching this, you may have some debt, um, credit cards, student loans, um, make sure that you get that to a manageable place that you're able to continually increase your personal wealth, right? Because when you're paying for a student loan, or you're paying on a credit card, you're making somebody else wealthy. Yeah. You're not making yourself wealthy. So own your money um, and make sure that every dollar that you bring in um, is yours. There's a, a great saying from a book that I read. It's called The Richest Man in Babylon. I love and it. The saying says, part of all you earn is yours to keep, which means when you work hard, you go to your nine to five or you work in 10, 13 hour days, you need to make sure that you're maximizing the money that you bring in, right? Don't pay Sally Mae, don't pay American Express and Visa. Make sure you pay yourself in the form of investing, in the form of paying down your debt, in the form of creating a nest egg for your savings. So that's enough. I don't want to monopolize too much, but those are some of the things um, that I would say. Yeah, hey, I, I feel like I don't have to say any more, but you know, this is, <laughs> this is so good. Let, let's keep going. Jumpstart HR is changing the face of the HR industry with their outsourcing, project consulting, and phone support. Enabling startups and small businesses to outsource their HR needs from anywhere in the U.S., from new business and legal compliance to employee performance management and outplacement services. Within the business community, Jumpstart HR is a trusted and reliable service. In fact, companies like Forbes, HR.com, and Inc. Magazine have all featured Jumpstart HR for their easy-to-use, hourly, monthly, and on-call support that is tailored specifically to each client's needs. This saves clients like you a lot of time and money. To learn more, schedule your free HR evaluation today at jumpstart-hr.com slash contact. You know, you mentioned the the liabilities part, which is huge, and you mentioned it being a, a, an anchor uh, or a, a weight that weighs you down as you as you try to pursue, you know, a, a higher, a greater quality of life. And um, one of my mentors, you know, presses upon me and, and the the guys that that follow him is, you know, make your assets pay for your liabilities, or, or find yourself in a position where your assets pay for your liabilities. And just as a personal story. You know, we just moved into a, a new house and we, we decided, yeah, thank you. Thank you. We, we decided to keep our old house and, and turn it into a, um, a rental property. 
And, um, you know, it's, it's a risky thing to, to consider in light of COVID and, um, yeah. and, and everything. But fortunately, we have uh, exceptional tenants and, um, you know, we want to take care of the place. But being able to now convert a, a, a liability, a, a mortgage into an asset where it's producing income for us, that helps me go to work. Uh, and know that, hey, you know, I don't have to work so hard to cover all of our bills and save yeah. and, and, and dream because our money is is in a position where it's able to work, work harder for us. And um, I'm sure my wife could say the same, but, you know, tying it into the whole thing at work, right? Like you can show your ability to perform when you don't have to worry about, you know, how am I going to pay that cell phone bill? How am I going to pay that that student loan bill? If you're able to get, you know, work aggressively to pay off debt or put yourself in a position to create assets that will take care of liabilities, you could go do whatever it is that you want to do. I, yeah. I used to say before before the age of Uber and before Audible, you know, I said my, my dream job, if I ever made a million dollars or more, I would retire. And uh, by the way, a million dollars isn't that much uh, these days. So that, <laughs> yeah. that has to increase a little bit, maybe five or six million. But I thanks, said, thanks, I, thanks to inflation. Thanks to inflation. Point, <laughs> at one point, a million was was, uh, was the gold standard. If you oh, retire, yeah. If you retire with a million, your standard of living is going to be uh, maybe not what you what you would drink of. Yeah, yeah. Especially with how long we're living, too. And I, and I said, I had a million dollars. I would retire and be a taxi driver because I love driving and I, I like talking to people. Or I'd be a librarian because I like books. And, you know, that, <laughs> it, it's, it's weird, right? But to me, that would have been or that's the essence of like winning at work where yeah. you can do what you love and you don't have to worry about the, the financial component of it. And I think yeah. the, the sound principles, the sound financial principles that you talk about helps put people in that position where it doesn't matter what you do nine to five, you know, you could be progressing towards that ideal VP level job and have the discipline and patience to uh, wait it out and grow and get years of experience. Because while you're climbing your corporate ladder, you're also building good financial strategies. That was, that was more a statement and a story than any kind of question. But with the folks that you're talking with on the on the coaching side or the wealth management side, would you say the more financially free people say they love their job more, hate their job more? What's the vibe there? Um, there's a mixed bag. There's honestly a okay. mixed bag because I work with entrepreneurs. I work with um, people who own their own business. And then I work for people who um, work for other businesses, right? They're, they're climbing a corporate ladder. They may be a you know, C-suite executive, maybe on a VP level or director level. Um, and there's a mixed bag. I think those who are most, I guess, happy with their form of employment is or are those who are in a position where they're able to feel their passion, right? People who are in a job that is not directly correlated to what they're passionate about, that's when I start getting, oh man, I can't wait to transition, or I wanna yeah. go start this business over here, or I wanna go do this. Um, and that's not just for entrepreneurs. I think we have this mentality of every entrepreneur is happy, right? The only people who are unhappy are those who are working in corporate America, and that is not true. I talk with entrepreneurs who are miserable, right? Mm -hmm. They got into an area of the field that may have been profitable for them, but it was never a passion for them. So they're doing yeah. it for the money, but not because they love it. Um, so I would say to those, regardless of where you are, intern all the way up to the CEO of an organization, be passionate about what you do. And I'll add this caveat. We live in a world, it's a capitalistic society. You're not going to do anything about that. You're not going to change it. 
So will you have to take jobs and be in positions at some point in your life that you don't 100% love? Absolutely. And that's an unpopular opinion, right? You can talk to Joey, me, any other person. There's been jobs in our lives, whether it be growing up in high school, wherever it is, right? I used to work at Wendy's and everybody laughs at that. Like, oh my gosh, you worked at Wendy's? But yeah, that's, that's where I started in high school. I was flipping patties during the summer. But that taught me the lessons for what I need now dealing with my private wealth management clients, right? Managing yep. millions of dollars. Some people may say you didn't learn anything, but that was the bedrock and that was the beginning of kind of what I needed. Um, so I guess the saying would be don't despise humble beginnings. And then always be in a position where you're trying to you're trying to get closer to your passion. You're trying to get more aligned to what you feel like you're called to do. And it may not be right now. You may be in a position that pays a significant amount of money, but you're still not passionate about it. That's where the winning at work perspective comes in and where control of your finances comes in as well. Because when you're in control of your finances and you are in a position where you work because you want to, not because you have to, then you're able to say, hey, you know what? This is a great position. I've built my 401k. I've built my nest egg. I got my million dollars. Like Joey said, I should. And you walk and you say, hey, you know, today's my last day. It's nothing wrong with the organization. I just want to go pursue my passion. But that type of autonomy is only provided to those who are able to win at work and win in their finances as well. Man, I, I don't know about you, but I'm just trying to get like Dave Chappelle who can say, oh, I just I just want to leave it all behind and go to Africa for a few years <laughs> right. um, and be able to come back to, to something. We're coming towards the end of this. I wanted to hit a hot button topic uh, that we've kind of teased throughout this uh, conversation. And and that's the election. I'm not going to ask you what candidate you're voting for, rooting for, uh, which candidate your 401k is rooting for. But <laughs> Could you could you give some kind of guidance or a thought or something that we can take away about this election and how either candidate may or may not impact finances, uh, personal finances? Right. And um, if there's any personal responsibility that we have about our finances, regardless of who's in office. And right. I think we'll, we'll close on this conversation, but I've really ha enjoyed having you on the show. And I feel like this is just the first of many times that we get Patrick Chandler on talking about money and and helping people win at work and, and with their finances. Yeah. So first, thank you so much, Joey. This has been phenomenal. I love talking about money. Love talking to you. You've done phenomenal work with your business. Um, so kudos to you and thank you for having me on. Um, that is a great question. And I think that's the most asked question that I get from prospects, from clients, random person walking down the street and I'm wearing a suit. Hey, you know like you're a finance guy. Tell me about the election. <laughs> so regardless of who wins the election, Donald Trump or Joe Biden coming in, statistically, historically, we see volatility whenever there's an election. Even if the president stays, president goes, we are anticipating to see some form of volatility in the market. How much? That depends on you know, several different factors. We've experienced a lot of volatility this year, so it would only really be par for the course, right? Mm -hmm. I don't expect us to just cruise into Christmas, head into 2021, market stays steady. Um, there's gonna be some type of disruption there. So the question is, what does that mean for you? Right? You're at the edge of your seat and you're just like, okay, well, what does that mean for me? I don't wanna lose any money, I've had a rough year. Um, what I would say for you is get connected with a trusted professional. I'm open to having conversations. I do this with clients and prospects all the time. Um, of having a conversation about how am I allocating across the board, my brokerage accounts, my retirement accounts, my savings, where my mortgage is. Have a trusted professional look at your entire financial picture and, and help them financially plan for you. 
What that looks like is, okay, maybe we may be a little bit too risky, right? We may have too much, you know, positions and aggressive approaches. Maybe we need to scale that back a little bit right now, just in the event of waiting to see what happens with the election. By January, February, we should see some consistency. Um, but for the majority, I would say the majority of people watching this and then those who listen back to this are going to need some type of reallocation in their portfolio. I think it's important to be proactive in your accounts. I, you know, I'm a financial advisor. Um, I consult with my clients and the onus is to work with a trusted professional, but don't ever leave your finances on set it and forget it, right? You work hard at work to be able to provide the life that you have. Make sure that you are on top of your finances, meaning, you know, maybe not wait for your financial advisor to approach you. Maybe approach them and say, hey, I saw winning at work with Joey and Patrick, and they said that we're going to experience some volatility. Um, can you kind of provide some color around that? Or, you know, give me a call or reach out to someone where you, um, you have a trusted conversation and you're in a place where you feel comfortable. The biggest thing is going to be a reallocation to a place where you are able to receive still some value in your investments, but getting a little bit of hedge of protection. And then also, I am not recommending that people spend unnecessary money in this season. And I get a lot of pushback. This is where I'll end here. Um, not saying don't buy Christmas presents, not saying don't go, you know, purchase something if you worked hard for you have the money to do it. Um, but this year may not be the year for you to make purchases um, that aren't necessarily necessary. Are you telling me not to buy the boat this year? Wait, wait for later. <laughs> I would say wait till later and then go back in March when the boat company is right teetering on the point of closing. Go there. <laughs> I love boat companies. No shame to you guys. A lot of businesses are struggling, but you actually be able to get, you know, better deals later on down yeah. the road as we kind of, you know, trek through this. But if it's a big purchase that you want to make, depending on what you're going to purchase, but now may not be the best time to do that. Make sure that your four walls are covered. Make sure your investments are covered. And then if everything is good and copacetic, then make the move. But for a majority of Americans, big purchases are not in our future for now in 2020. You heard it. Patrick Chandler's vote is for you to protect your money. Yeah. So let's do that in 2020 and 2021 and beyond. This has been a great winning at work conversation. I hope you share this with some folks at work, chat about it, talk about it, tweet about it. Make sure you're following Patrick on Instagram at Patrick R. Chandler. Uh, he drops tons of great financial advice uh, that will help you not only win at work, but win in your finances too. So until next time, we'll see you uh, next Wednesday, 4 p.m. Eastern, 8, 1 p.m. Pacific. All right. Take care. Have a great week. 